You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Awesome. Hello, everyone. Welcome to church. <laughs> um, tonight is going to be great. Like Steve said, we are um, just starting a brand new series today called Blessed, um, all about the Beatitudes. So I'm really excited to dive into these. Um, tonight we're going to be taking a look at the very first one, but I thought that I would read you um, what they all are. It's found in Matthew 5, verse 1 to 12. And this is what it says. It says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. The Beatitudes, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When we think of being blessed, right, we think of wealth and success and abundance, but the way that the Bible describes blessing and, the, and being blessed is so vastly different to that. So I'm really believing that over the next few weeks, we're going to leave with a change in thought pattern and really understanding what God says about what's in you and what makes you blessed. If you're taking notes tonight, my message is titled after the very first beatitude, which like I said, we're going to be diving into tonight. Um, And it is called Blessed Are the Poor in Spirit. Before I get into it, let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for tonight. I thank you so much for this word that you've placed on my heart, Lord. And Jesus, I just pray that these wouldn't be my words, but this would be a word from you. And I pray that you would really breathe life into this message that I've written. And we ask this in your name. And everyone said? Amen. (laughs) Um, Like I said, when we think of being blessed, we think of wealth and abundance, and we think of um, gifts and talents. But actually, according to God's kingdom, real blessing looks really different. The first beatitude is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The message translation puts it like this. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. Pretty powerful and really countercultural. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? To be poor in spirit is to acknowledge and realize your lack and your deficiency. It's a realization that on my own and in my own effort, I can't actually do it. I need someone to help me. I need a savior. I have nothing to offer a holy and righteous God. In fact, spiritually speaking, I'm sinful, I'm lost, and ultimately I'm in desperate need of a savior. And it's an acknowledgement of a real need for God. Steve pointed it out that one way to understand what it means to be poor in spirit is to look at its opposite. And its opposite is to be proud in spirit. 
When you're proud in spirit, you don't believe you need God. You reckon you can do it all on your own because you've got it all figured out. But Jesus tells us that blessed are the poor in spirit. And in other words, blessed are those who are humble in spirit. I have just two points for you tonight on how we can live humble in spirit, how we can live poor in spirit. And the first one is this. We need to recognize that we need God. Um, growing up, <laughs> growing up, um, I tried a whole heap of different sports, often reluctantly. My parents just sort of signed me up for stuff to try and figure out what I was good at. Turned out I really wasn't good at like any sport at all, but I tried a whole bunch of, stif- a whole bunch of different stuff. I did swimming. Um, I tried netball for a year, which I actually signed up for, changed my mind, and my mum made me follow through with because I'd signed up for it. <laughs> I did figure skating for a few years. That was one that I really enjoyed. Did that, yeah, did that for a little while. Um, And then I also did tennis for a year when I was in primary school. Now, the thing is, I did tennis for a year, and I don't think I improved once, even though I did tennis for that entire year. Even now, if I go and play tennis with you, I will stand in the court playing, and I promise you, no matter how hard I try, no matter what you tell me to do, I cannot hit the ball forward. It always ends up in the other court next to me. And there was one time we were on holiday, and my parents were like, no, we've paid for these tennis lessons. We're going to go and play at the tennis court at this hotel that we're staying at. And I was really upset because I just knew it wasn't going to go well. And my brother could somewhat hit the ball, and there was a couple that was in the um, court next to us that was also playing, and I don't think they could finish their game at all because I kept hitting the ball into their court the entire time. (laughs) It can be discouraging when you give things a go though and no matter how hard you try you just can't get it right. I don't know if you've ever experienced that but sometimes we just have to admit that we just can't do it our way. It just is not going to work. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope with less of you there is more of God and his rule. This is the exact opposite of what Jesus' culture and what our culture defines as success. Our culture defines success as building your own platform, it's independence, and it's all about you. But this beatitude says that it's the complete opposite. Jesus tells us that real success and real blessing comes when we recognize that it's not about us and that we really do need God on the journey. We can't do this Christian walk without him because if the ultimate goal is to share the gospel and share Jesus with others, if Jesus is, at the cent- is not at the center of it all, then what use is any of it? We need God. In 2 Corinthians it says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I don't know about you, but I find it really easy to understand and picture the great big barrels of grace that God has for everyone around me, but often I find it really hard to even grasp the idea that he has even a handful just for me when I mess up. 
But the thing is, is God never expects me to be perfect. He never expects me to be able to do it on my own. If I could do it on my own, I would have no need for him. In my weakness is when God does his best work. In my weakness is when I really get to see God move. In my weakness, I am reminded of just how good of a God that we serve. And the same is true for you. Blessed are the poor in spirit because the poor in spirit recognize that they need God. And when we recognize that we need God, it leaves room for him to do exactly what he does best. The second way that we can live humble in spirit is to allow God to meet us in our need. Um, we are currently doing a series in our kids' programs this term called the Royal Academy, and it's all about 10 different kings and queens in the Bible, and it's been really fun diving into their different stories. And um, what I really enjoy about coming up with a, a series like that is also getting to come up with the game that we play on a Sunday. And I personally like to do the same game the whole term because it makes it really easy for prep, and it also means that a whole bunch of the kids get to play the game and not just one or two of them each week. So this term, I felt like I came up with a really good game. So basically what we're doing every Sunday is we have um, two sets of jelly that we've made during the week and inside the jelly is a printed Cinderella shoe. And so they basically got to find the Cinderella shoe without using their hands and it's the first one to find the shoe that wins, which is all fun and games except you have to make the jelly beforehand. And the first week I thought, you know, jelly's not that hard to make, so this is going to be really easy. So I started off in the morning and I thought, okay, what I'll do is because I want the shoe to sit really well in the jelly and not just like lie at the bottom, I will do two layers of it. So I made it in the morning, I made the two little molds, put it in the fridge, and then I went a few hours later and it still hadn't set and I thought, oh, I've obviously just got to leave it a little while longer went back maybe two hours later and school had finished at this point and it still wasn't set. It was just like liquid. And I was like, what the heck? This is not that hard to make. How am I not doing this right? And Denisha, bless her heart, one of my, one of my amazing leaders, I could not run Sundays without her and this is probably testament to that. She came up to me and saw me trying to figure out what I was doing wrong and she looked to me and she was like, Danielle, do you know how to make jelly? And I was like, yes I do. It's not that hard, Denisha. Don't make fun of me. But clearly I I had no idea what I was doing because um, I left it the next day. It was still not really set properly. And so she came and was like, Danielle, did you measure the amount of water that you put into it? And I was like, no, I just put enough to fill the cup. So I had put too much liquid in it for it to even set. And so Denisha now will no longer make, let me make the jelly every week because I stuff it up every single time. You'd think it wasn't that hard, but I, had, I was reluctant to admit it, but I actually did need help. I couldn't do it on my own. Recognizing you need God isn't just a sign of being poor in spirit and of humility. It also communicates a confidence in the God, in the God that we serve. The Bible tells us over and over that we can trust in him, that we can have confidence in him, and that he will come through every single time. In Hebrews 4 verse 16, it tells us, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
Psalm 34 verse 4 tells us, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Romans 5 verse 8 tells us, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And not only that, but in Hebrews 13 verse 8, it reminds us that Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What does that mean? That means that the same God that helped David um, defeat Goliath, it means the same God that helped Joseph interpret dreams. And it means the same God that was with Moses and helped him free the Israelites from from slavery can and will come through for you too. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. So when we recognize we need him, he can come. And when we allow him to do work in us, he can do his best work. And he meets us in our lack. The band can come and join me now. Recognizing that you need God and allowing him to meet you in your lack is not a sign of weakness. Blessed are the poor in spirit because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's not a coincidence that this is the first of all the Beatitudes. Um, I, this really blew my mind when I was reading it in my Bible commentary um, as I was writing this message. Now, I'm about to explain this to you the same way that I would explain it to the kids on in Power Zone on a Sunday morning, um, but bear with me because I actually really do believe that this is a powerful thought if they can open the ladder, you know? (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Um, So, as you know, a ladder helps you reach places and spaces that you can't on your own, right? It helps you get up and reach things that you would never be able to before. And to use a ladder, you need to take a step onto it and climb up to the top to keep going right? Now the thing is, is often we look at our relationship with God and life with Him as if the blessing is all the way at the top. But the thing is, what this beatitude describes is actually this one right here. It tells us that we are blessed when we don't have it figured out. We're blessed when we're in lack. This first step is us acknowledging, God, I need you. God, I can't do it without you. The Beatitudes don't start with us saying, blessed is the wonderful and those who have it all figured out. We don't need to be at step six or seven to to receive the blessing. All we need is the courage to take the first step, to say, God, I need you. This is good news. Do you know why? because it doesn't matter how far along in the faith journey you are, it means that there is always blessing for you. There is blessing no matter what you're going through. There is blessing no matter whether you think you've got it all figured out or you don't. The blessing is there for us to receive. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz